0: podcasting from Hartford you're listening to the Connecticut scoreboard podcast your place for all things Connecticut sports and here is your host Jared Cutler where where I want to get started is kind of setting the stage from the beginning about how you got into the golf business and, and ended up here at the travelers championship
1: oh sure so we're going way back all right uh <laughs> um Oh gosh, so I guess you could say it started when I let's see, I I, I was at Auburn. Um I got a, actually let me go back further than that. I uh I wanted to go to a, a Division 1 school and play golf. I I grew up in San Diego. I had a chance to to play at a very small school in San Diego, but I had the dreams of going to a, a big D1 school. So I, I went to Auburn. I tried to walk on and uh the coach said, Thank you very much for trying, but we're all good here. So he kinda of gave me a, a pat on the back and um and sent me on my way, which was which was great. I mean I knew it was going to be tough to do. So I kinda, of, you know, I would say gave up on uh you know competing for a couple of years and uh my senior year though, I just I really still had the itch. I still had the bug to play. I did I didn't feel like, you know, my competitive playing career was over, I guess you could say. So I really tried to to practice a bunch my senior year and um, tried the mini tours right when I graduated from college just to see if I had any game and, you know, to kind of test out what I had against uh, a lot of other guys playing and um, went down and bounced around on the mini tours for a while and uh, made about $200 in about six months, I think it was. And so, um, let's just say that wasn't enough to make a living on. And, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing experience. I mean, you know, bouncing around, there were some guys out there that were just, I mean, amazing players. I mean, the the boo weekly was there at the time on, uh, Heath Slocum even ran into, to Bubba at at a couple of events. And it, um, I mean, these were just incredible players who were just kind of bouncing around, you know, getting ready to start their, their careers. And I realized, uh, very quickly that I, I didn't have that gear. And so, um, I still loved, uh, loved the game. I wanted to be around it. And so I went back to school to become a PGA professional and, uh, got my, um, my class A with the PGA of America and became a, became an instructor. And I taught for about four years at, uh, the Robert Trent Jones golf trail, academy of golf, uh, down in Alabama. It was a great experience. Phenomenal. Loved, uh, loved learning about the game, but then just kind of looked, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And wanted to do kind of something different within golf, but I just, I wasn't sure what else to, to kind of, you know, to do within the game. And, uh, to be honest, I kind of stumbled upon the, some events that were being run at our golf courses on the trail. Um, at the time it was like the LPGA tournament of champions, the, uh, what was it? The Nike and buy.com tour championship were there. And I was working at the golf course and I got to see these events come into town and I was just fascinated with how they were put together, uh, you know, what what it took to get it to that place to, you know, when you when you see these events roll into town and just became taken with, with the event side of the business and went to work for um Bruno Event Team, the event management company that had been running those events at the time and and then just honestly just kinda stayed in it and just kinda found something that I love to do and I've been doing it. Uh, let's see, I've been here since 2005, um, up here with, uh, at the time, the Buick championship and the travelers championship, but worked for Bruno event team before that. And I honestly don't know what else I would do. Like I'm fascinated with the event business and I love the game of golf. I think it's completely unique and different, um, than any other sport and to, to work in it and to do what, what we do. And then at the end of the day, be able to to donate what we do to charity is a pretty cool pretty cool opportunity to kind of have all those all those dots be able to be connected so yeah i don't i don't know what else i would do honestly than than what i'm doing i i I love it a lot
0: yeah it sounds like a, a really interesting path and you know as we're looking back you said you started uh you know with buick and travelers back in 2005 as, as we mm-hmm. kind of look back on it And on the tournament from then to where it is today, can you talk a bit about the growth you've seen uh, of the tournament since then and and how the how the tournaments changed from when you when you started there in 2005
1: to where it is today? Sure. Uh, So I came up here in 2005. What was interesting about it uh, when I when I was interviewing, it was I mean, because this is this is a very interesting industry, right? I mean, you you kind of you have to have a title sponsor. You have to have you know a good golf course you have to have a good host organization and and you know when you when you get an opportunity for one of these you you know you look at the uh the history of the event you look at the um you know where's it going is it kind of like a hey we're going is it going to be a flash in the pan tournament or is is it here for the long haul and you know i mean this tournament in oh five it it had been around since 1952 so i mean it had been around 50 plus years there was a really strong community, really strong support, and so I felt really good about coming in coming up here. And what's so funny about that is that I, I got up here in the spring of 05 and I want to say in the fall of 05, Buick announced that they weren't coming back as a title sponsor after 06, and then a whole bunch of stuff changed on the PGA tour schedule, and we actually didn't have a date in '07, So we were looking at '06 being our last year as a tour event. And so, you know, this long history of, uh, you know, the PGA Tour being in Connecticut looked like it was going to come to an end. And we were looking at, you know, do we become a Champions Tour event? Do we become an LPGA Tour event? And there was just a ton of uncertainty. Uh, you know, our sponsors felt unsettled. The volunteers felt unsettled. The, the players, when you would go out and talk to them and you know, you'd be recruiting them to, to come play but kind of they felt unsettled. They're like, man, you know, is the tournament even going to be around? And so there was just a it was interesting. There was there was a sadness and kind of a mood that it was like, no, we can't we can't lose this, you know, but the reality was it looked like it was it was going away. And so those first couple years were really uh, I guess the, the first year going into the second year were really, really difficult. Um, just on how the community felt about the event because this was the you know biggest event that the connecticut had from a from a crowd standpoint from you know everybody kind of rallying around it and when travelers came in in the spring so it was the spring of 06 because they announced their title sponsorship before you know uh, before the last year of buick it was one of the most exciting public events i've been a part of we had a press conference um, the, the governor called in, she, she was out of town. She's like, I got to call in for this. And she called in and all the media was there. And we had it on the, you know, the traveler's plaza and, and the commissioner of the PGA tour flew up and, and, uh, you know, all the, all the executives were there and basically just said, Hey, this, this event isn't going away. You know, travelers are stepping in this community. Um, you know, this isn't going to happen and we're going to keep it here and they became the title sponsor. And it was just this, just, uh, the, the emotion of like, you know, we had thought we had lost it. We felt like we lost it. And then it was back and it was basically saved. And that momentum blew into 2007 when Travelers came on as title sponsor. And it, I, I cannot believe it's been as many years as it has because it just, it feels like it was just a couple years ago, but the, the, the pride for this community, the, the, the personal, touch i would say that it has um everybody kind of feels a sense of ownership over it and and, and travelers i mean they, they embrace it they want this to be the best thing it can be for connecticut and it's just it, there's just this momentum that keeps building and i mean the players feel it they feel how appreciative the fans are um i mean our sponsors i mean who they're bringing out their clients i mean they feel it and i remember remember rory uh talking about this when he came here for the first time, he said, man, he goes, you don't get fans like this everywhere we go. This is a special place. Like they're engaged and they're cheering for every shot. And they're so appreciative that you're here. And it's, uh, it's just been so much fun to kind of see, you know, where, at least when I got here, you know, in the, in the, in the history of this event, just how the mood was when I got here and then where the mood is now is just like, I mean, it's so different, but it's just so exciting to be a part of something that's, that's moving forward like this.
0: Yeah, you talk about not having a set date when when you started it and that that was up in the air. You guys are locked into a date now, the week after the U.S. Open, which always seems to be a point of, of debate for everyone when it comes to talking about the tournament and if it's a pro or a con. It seems like the past few years it's worked out well, and, and I know there was some concern going into this year with this being a West Coast Open at... uh pebble Beach how do you feel the date yeah. impacts the tournament um obviously it seems like from the player field so far it's having almost no impact but but from your end i'm curious to hear your thoughts
1: so i i would say this if you were to ask me this question in 2007 i would have said that one we're we're thrilled to have a date right we're thrilled to be back on the PGA tour schedule and the week after the open is going to have its challenges but you know the PGA tour is back in Connecticut i would have given you you know a, a line like that but what we found out is, that I don't want to say the date doesn't matter as much, but honestly, the date doesn't matter nearly as much as we thought. I mean, there are so many good events on the tour, and the guys are playing globally. I mean, you see guys saying, I love playing the week before a major, or the week before a World Golf Championship, or the week before the playoffs. And you see other guys say, you know, I I don't like playing the week before a major and I don't like playing the week before, you know, the playoffs. Like it's, I mean, it's so different what every player likes, how they prepare, where events fall on the schedule. And when you look at the landscape right now between the WGCs, the majors and the playoffs, like you're almost always playing before or after some big event, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the the chances that you're not are very, very rare, and so we kind of started saying internally with uh, with our team, with Andy Bissett from Travelers, who has been a part of this since the beginning. I mean, I've been very fortunate to work with him since since this whole thing started. We, we kind of started saying, you know what? The, the date's not going to make the tournament. The tournament is going to make the date. Like we can be good enough to not have the date be a determining factor in how successful we are. And, it just i mean that that third week in june the week after the open just kind of started to become our identity and fans look forward to kicking off the summer uh, families look forward to coming out here the players start to travel with their families at that time of year you're kind of following <clears throat> excuse me the usga which has you know they just have a different philosophy on their course setup and what they what they do and 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 you kind of get to come behind that where they're just you know, I mean, some of those setups and some of the course conditions are, you know, they don't play on things like that all year. And it's a difficult, difficult grind. And then they get here and we're kind of back to a, okay, you know, this is, I would say, if you hit good shots, you're going to have a, a be rewarded. If you hit bad shots, you're going to be penalized. But it's not, there's no surprises. The golf course is in front of you. It's fun to play. It's loud. The crowds love it. You know 15 through 18 are uh, arguably one of the one of the best places for theater i would say in golf with how it's surrounded by the crowds and and they kind of feed off of each other and so th- that date just became something honestly that, that became part of our identity and we love it and it was funny i did a i did an interview back in '07 where um they asked me the question they said oh my gosh how are you guys going to make it the week after the open you know and i remember being on camera answering that question. And about four or five years ago, um, I had a reporter, it was a younger reporter. Uh, he said to me, he said, how did you guys, you know, your fields are so good, blah, blah, blah. How did you guys get so lucky with the week after the open? And I just I chuckled on just how things kind of, you know, had come full circle um, to be able to answer that question that way. So, I mean, I think there's so many good events out there and that if you have a good event and you put on a good event, that the date, doesn't matter as much as I think we we initially thought that it did.
0: Yeah, so along with the date, another part of the tournament that's uh, always been interesting to me is how you get the players to come play this tournament. Are you able to give us some insight into the process of how you go about recruiting some of these top players to come play uh, every year?
1: Sure. Uh, I'll say this, that it started, I would say in 07, when, when Andy Bissett and I started going around on tour to talk to the guys. We used to use that word. You exactly used right there, recruiting, and we realized very quickly that we weren't recruiting. Like, like the more we kind of said that word, we're like, this isn't what we're doing, because we were never asking the guys and saying, "Hey, would you come play us?" Like, that's not what we were saying. Like, we, we had just come off of you know, kind of you know, not having a date on the tour, and like we knew okay, there's a reason why we didn't have a date. Like, there were some things we weren't doing right. Like, what weren't we doing right? And we started asking anybody who would listen, hey, what can we do better? And we would talk to the players and we'd say, how can we make this better? And we got great insight on our practice facility and, you know, our player transportation and our dining and the, you know, I mean, like things about the player experience. And then we said to the caddies, "Hey, hey, how can we make things better for you? and you'd find out about, you know, their experience and what would make things better for them when they're on the road during the week. And then we just kept going. We started sitting down with the media going, help us understand, like, what events are your favorite ones to go to and why? Like, what could we do different than ours? And people were willing to tell us. I mean, and then what I think the, the, <laughs> the part that I guess you could say the the secret sauce is we listened to them and then we actually tried to do what they were telling us. And so, they felt between the players. I think they felt very listened to because they would give us a suggestion and then they would show up and they'd see that we did something about it. And mm-hmm. then you know that we talked to the wives and the girlfriends and the, and the trainers and the physical therapists and the agents and the swing coaches. And just to try to get as much information as we could to say, how do we be the best event that we can be for all of these different constituents and It 100% started from from Travelers and how they looked at the tournament. I think a lot of tournaments and title sponsors have an idea of what they want to be. And they say, hey, we want to be this. You know, like, hey, we want the tournament to be this. and We want to be this. And Travelers just, you know, uh, I think it has a lot to do with how they how they run their business, right? I mean, they are talking to customers all the time going, what products do you need? How can we help you better? They're talking to their agents who distribute their products saying, you know, what what do we need to do? What's the right way to do X, Y, and Z? And they're constantly listening to the feedback from their customers. And that's what that's just kind of how we looked at it. We're like, we need to listen to feedback from our customers. And then from that general philosophy just came, a whole slew of just small things, you know, I mean, okay, we're doing, we're doing laundry for the caddies all week at no cost because they're on the road every week, you know, so we're going to do that. We're going to do a caddy appreciation day to make them feel like, you know, they know that they're part of the team we're going to hand out caddy awards and we're going to, change up our daycare programs and make sure the kids that, you know, the PGA Tour kids that travel on tour, make sure they have a really, really good time when they're here with us. And how can we, you know, revamp that? We're going to, um, you know, make sure the, 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 the agents and the trainers get taken care of and the equipment reps. And so, the you know, the TV crews that are here for the week. So, I mean, I don't know that there's really a secret sauce other than we asked a lot of questions and tried to try to deliver and change on the, the the answers that we got. So and I, I think that kind of uh, that culture, I think, really resonated with the players. I mean, when they before they came here, some of the, like a lot of the players had heard about us, you know, like some of the top 10 guys and like, Hey, I've heard, you know, you guys are doing really good things at travelers. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a look over the next couple of the, you know, next couple of years. And then you get, you know, those guys showing up and then it's just, it's, uh, it, it's relationships. It's not, it's not recruiting. We got rid of that word a while ago. It's, it's building relationships and then trying to actually, you know, build your tournament around, around who your constituents are.
0: And maybe we could go into the player field that we have so far a little bit. But I think one name that sticks out to everyone, to even the most casual golf fans, is Phil Mickelson, who hasn't been to, to the tournament in a while. Can you give some mm-hmm. insight in, into how that worked out and, and how you get a player like Phil Mickelson to, to commit so early, especially when he hasn't been in a
1: while? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, Phil had won here a couple times, oh one one and oh two. 2 And so I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only back-to-back champion that that the tournament's had. And so, I mean, Phil, and he would tell us this, we go out and talk to him on the road, um, you know, saying, Hey, you know, uh, I know it hasn't worked out in your schedule. You know, is there anything we can do to, to change, you know, to, to help you come? We'd love to have you come back. And, and it was always a very, very positive conversation. He'd say, look, that's one of my favorite golf courses on tour. It's very fair. It's very fun. The crowds there are absolutely crazy. You know, I I love coming there, but it just, you know, it hasn't worked out in my schedule. And we would, um, you know, I mean, we'd see him and I mean, that's what he would say. I mean, his schedule, I mean, there's certain guys when you get to a certain point where, I mean, they play very, very limited schedules because they don't have to play a lot, you know. And so Phil was at a point where, uh, you know, whether it's family vacations, kids, you know, whatever, he just... Had kind of always taken that week after the open as kind of a, a break, and um, and so, but we always stayed in front of him. I mean, he and his agency were, you know, they stayed involved with us. Uh, we had a huge fundraising dinner um, in 2016. At the time, the chairman uh, of Travelers, Jay Fishman, was uh, was battling ALS, and we held a big fundraising dinner for for him to uh, raise money to to try to find a cure for ALS and um, we, uh, our goal was to sell a hundred tables at $10,000 a table and raise a million dollars to, uh, to battle, you know, to try to find a cure for ALS. And one of the tables that was bought was by Phil's agency. Um, even though he wasn't playing us, he stayed involved, you know, financially and, you know, made a donation of 10,000. And so, I mean, it's, it's not like we haven't you know, had a relationship with, with him over the years. But this year, it just, uh, it just worked out, honestly. I mean, it wasn't like we were an unknown entity that came up and said, hi, Phil, you know, my name's Nathan. And Andy says, my name's Andy, you know, and so, you know, like we knew him, we had a relationship with him and it just happened to, uh, to work out this year. And we kind of got wind of that at the masters uh, when we were there, that it might work out in the schedule this year. And then uh, we went down to Wells Fargo, And uh, got confirmation that, you know, talked to him and said, he said, I'm coming back. And he said, I am so excited to see the fans in Connecticut. Uh, He said, they're amazing. And I've been wanting to get back and it just hasn't worked out with my schedule. And I'm thrilled to come back. So, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I'm glad the timing has worked and I think he's going to get a very warm reception when he comes back.
0: For sure. And, and then if, maybe you want to give a little insight into some of the other players that have already committed, uh, you know, so for people who are listening, just to get a better idea of, of what the field's shaping up to be.
1: Sure. We are at, looks like we're going to have 15 of the top 25 in the world in the next couple weeks we'll have committed. And you kind of go down the list, I mean, from like a Brooks Kepka, who, uh, you know, again, I mean, we've gotten to know him over the years um he likes the golf course he's very comfortable when he comes here i mean after he won the us open he comes here the week after that um to play here cuz he wanted to play so i mean that was that's awesome i mean justin thomas I mean, we've known justin for oh my gosh since he was in high school um we gave him an exemption i think his freshman year at alabama you know getting to know him over the years again just i mean you, we know him he's very comfortable here um Uh, Bryson Shambo. We give Bryson an exemption um, years ago and uh, have built a great relationship with him. Um, Francesco Molinari, he's coming. I mean, he came before. I would say, you know, he's been on this incredible run the last probably two years. And, uh, you know, he played us before he had, uh, you know, won the British. And, um, you know, he likes coming here. Uh, You got Paul Casey, who. He has come so close to winning here a couple times and he has said, he goes, I'm going to win this event, <laughs> you know, Paul Casey's coming. And then you Jason day, um, Jason, again, he says he likes the golf course. He, uh, is very comfortable playing here. And then you kind of go down the list from Patrick Reed to, to Bubba, you know, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood coming for the first time this year from a European side. um, I mean you kind of go down the list and I would say we have we have relationships with every single one of those guys and their their families and we just try to make we try to make coming to travelers as as easy as possible for them.
0: And I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't ask you know I think uh we saw that there was a column in the current this week about one name that that hasn't made uh his way to travelers and that's Tiger. Uh mm-hmm. could you maybe not this year but could you foresee uh possibility of him coming? I'm just curious what the relationship's like on that end.
1: Oh, I mean, we have a relationship with Tiger, his entire team. Uh, it, I mean, it would not surprise me if, if he says, hey, I want to come play Travelers. I mean, I understand, again, like a Phil where his schedule is, uh, I mean, every week on his schedule is just in demand for something, you know, globally or domestically or whatever it is. But um, for years, I would say, Oh gosh, when did it start? Um, his event in DC that he, um, you know, was the host of and it was a sponsor. I had, you know, it's had a few, a few titles, but I mean, he was very involved with that event in DC and it was typically the week after us. And so, I mean, he, he and his team would always say, look, for him to play three weeks in a row is just not something that he really tries to do. You know, it would have been the U S open to us and then his event. And he was always so involved with, with his event in DC. Um, you know, the week before it, like we just really just knew that, hey, I mean, as long as he's hosting that event the week after us, like it, there's really probably no chance that he's going to play us. Um, very interesting. The conversations, though, I mean, since that event, you know, has moved and his uh, his affiliation and partnership with it is, you know, been I think a little bit more with uh, Genesis out on the West Coast and that event has since gone to gone to Detroit. Um, I mean, the conversations are always there. I mean, we, you know, uh, the is a Connecticut guy. Like we know Joey very well. Um, we know, you know, Mark Steinberg, like we know his whole entire team. And I would say it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think obviously we'd love to have him, but we really, you know, talk to Tiger the way we talk to all, all the other players like, Hey, we, uh, you know, would love to have you come see what we're doing up here. We think it's, we, we think we have a special event. Um, uh and we we think he would love it. And uh but I would say that there's always been that his tournament the week after us. It's always been a challenge. But with that tournament gone, you know, you never know. Never know. Yeah. So
0: I, we we we've talked a bit about uh the golf portion of the tournament, but before I get you out of here, I'm I'm curious to just learn a little bit more um about the impact this event has on the community. I, I know uh all the charitable endeavors uh you know that come out of the tournament. Are are you able to talk a little bit more about that and, and the impact this uh tournament
1: has on the greater community here? Sure. I mean, that's, I think back to what I kind of started off with in this conversation. I think that's one of the reasons why I love this so much is that we do what we do. And in the end, the the end result is the charities that, that benefit from the tournament. And and I try to tell this to people sometimes, I try to say, think about it like this. If you go to an NFL game, if you go to a major league baseball game, you know, whatever your favorite teams are, if you went to a playoff game, And you were sitting there and, you know, and your, your team wins and the owner of the team gets on the microphone to the entire stadium, you know, whatever sport it is and says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your support for, you know, purchasing all the suites that you purchased here in the, in the stadium and buying all your tickets and all the concessions and merchandise and, you know, what an amazing, you know, run we had. And I just want to let you know that, that every single. Penny of profit that we made from tonight's game, we're going to donate to charity. Like, imagine if you heard that, it would be front page, New York Times, the most <laughs> philanthropic owner ever, donates all profits to charity. But the crazy thing is, that happens at these PGA Tour events, of which we're one of them, where we stand there on the 18th green on Sunday and we say, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for buying your corporate suites. Thank you for buying tickets and merchandise and hospitality and tickets and everything that we made today is going back to charity. And that is one of the most I think un uh I don't know, un what I don't know, unheralded, I don't know. You know, when you look at the PGA Tour and what what it does, like that's happening every single week and we treat our charities like our owners. Right, we want to make our owners as much as we possibly can, and the better we do our job, the more money we're going to raise for them. And so, I mean, last year we we crossed the two million dollar mark. Uh, we had about 150 charities that we raised money for, and it's just one of the coolest feelings in the world when you get a chance to talk to the hospitals, talk to the organizations that are that are rebuilding homes, talking to the groups that are packing backpacks for kids that don't have food on the weekends, um, you know, uh, helping kids go to camp uh, to these places that because, you know, medically they wouldn't be able to attend these without financial support and having a charitable connection to what we do and having it be the, the reason we do what we do is uh, it's an amazing connection. And I I'd, uh, I'd never get tired of talking about our charities and telling their stories, meeting them and. Um it's just uh it's one of the most unique things in professional sports.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh two quick ones to get you out of here on. Is, is there anything uh new people coming out to the tournament this year I uh, can expect to see out
1: at uh TPC River Highlands? Oh my gosh, I think we should I should probably start off by saying what's not new this year. So <laughs> we got a new clubhouse this year and uh, the old clubhouse is about 10,000 square feet and the new clubhouse is about 40,000 square feet. And so it's four times bigger and it changed the whole footprint up there. The clubhouse sits between uh, the first tee and the 18th green and uh, they reshaped everything. We have a huge event lawn off the back of the clubhouse now that we've never had before. Um, We have, uh, we changed our hospitality all around 18, flipped it around. It's actually, it's pretty cool that we get to basically build our stadium every year, right? I mean, being a temporary uh, golf tournament, like we get to construct this thing and it takes, you know, four months to build, but we get to basically take advantage of feedback from customers and clients going, oh, you know what, if this facility did this, wouldn't it be awesome? Or if it did this, it'd be great. And so we can revamp stuff every single year. Whereas a lot of times brick and mortar stadiums, you know, they don't have that kind of flexibility. You know, if somebody doesn't like the way a suite is built, well, that's kind of way the suite is built. And, but for us, we can totally redo stuff and we get to take advantage of technology and we get to take advantage of, you know, new product that's out there. So we changed our greenside club. We changed our champions club, which are two big facilities around 18. We were able to make our Patriots outpost bigger this year. That's uh, the free admission that we have for active retired veterans, free admission to the tournament, free food and beverage all week. Um, we were able to give that entire facility uh, views of golf this year. Uh, we built a huge new facility on the 17th fairway this year which we've never had before up on a hill. So I mean literally fans that come out this year are going to see new venues, new experiences and we have uh, free venues on property, climate control venues for the general admission ticket holder. We have 3 of those on property this year. You can go in, sit down, you know, rest, have some shade, uh and they're free of charge. And so we're always trying to kind of enhance the the experience of our fans and and those people coming out and so i don't think they will uh i don't think they'll recognize the place to be honest but hopefully hopefully all good stuff for for, uh what they'll see on property
0: yeah and, and to get you out of here with this one you know you started back in 2005 so coming up on close to 15 years do you have a moment uh from the tournament that sticks out as most memorable moment for you
1: oh man there's a lot um I would say one of the ones that, that stuck out to me uh, pretty significantly was uh, the year, the, the year, that Jim Furyk shot 58 was a pretty crazy year. I mean, he, you know, no uh, 58 has never been shot on tour before. Furyk does it. it. It was, it was this moment. I mean, like the buzz around it was absolutely in, just insane. I mean, people were following this and, and he does the crowds around 18 were, were absolutely enormous. And, it was the year that um, the Jay Fishman, like I said, the CEO of Travelers, he'd been diagnosed with ALS. He was in a wheelchair at that time that year. And he actually ended up passing away two weeks later. But, you know, nobody knew it at the time. But he was out there every single day in his wheelchair, um, talking to people, thanking the fans for being there. And he's up at the top of this hill and Jim comes up and Jim is in this moment, right? I mean, there's cameras everywhere around him. He's just gone in the history books. He's the first, you know, person to ever do this on the PGA tour. And it is a massive moment for him. And I mean he has this huge swarm of people following him as he as he comes off the green and up the hill. And Jay is just, just sitting there at the top of the hill. And this tournament wouldn't be here without Jay. I mean he and Andy Bassett, you know, basically put this thing on their shoulders and said, Travelers is going to sponsor this and we're going to figure this out and And it was, it was Jay as the CEO of the company that was driving it. And so what he meant to the tournament and was just, I mean, he, he's, he's the reason that we're here. And so Furyk's coming up the hill and Jim in his moment stops and like, this is Jim's moment. And he stops and he takes off his hat and he, and he goes down on one knee to Jay in his wheelchair and just says, thank you so much for what you did to save this tournament. You know what this tournament meant and uh, you know what it means to the community. Like, thank you. Like, having jim just kind of push his moment aside to have that moment with jay was uh, was pretty cool to stand there and see um i don't know that's that's one of i, I mean again i could probably talk for an hour about a, a bunch of different ones but that that one really stands out in my mind
0: that's awesome so nathan thanks so much for uh coming on today uh really appreciate it and uh you know, hope to see everyone out at uh, TPC River Highlands uh, later on this uh, next month in June. Uh, should be another exciting tournament. So thanks again.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. We'll see you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Kotler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.